1: Ladies and gentlemen, that's a little too aggressive, you know? Lady, ladies, ladies, lady. I want to get, like, I want to come in from here and just kind of... Right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Tim Dillon Show. We are here two weeks out before Thanksgiving. I got fat again. I was thin on the Alex Jones podcast, and I got fat again at Trader Joe's. Mm. You don't know how it happened. It always sneaks up on you. As my boomer father would say, every time you turn around, he's just talking to him about Corona. Yeah. Yeah, I was just on the phone. He goes, you know, every time you turn around, he just doesn't fully articulate thoughts anymore. He just goes, every time you turn around, you can't get ahead. They're always, they're always coming after you. I'm not trying to get in any trouble. Every time you turn around. Every time you turn around. He could wake up in the middle of the night, see his wife getting brutally raped and having a throat cut, and he'd go, every time you turn around. Every time you turn around. Well, there goes that YouTube monetization, (laughs) huh? In the first minute. In the first minute, I said the R word. Not good. Trader Joe's makes you feel fat because Trader Joe's, you get aggressively, you get, like, confidently fat because there's a lot of fat women walking with their fupas mm-hmm. and Biden won. So it's fucking Biden bonbon day. Mm-hmm. It's like, get the cakes, get the ice cream. They're like, you don't tell me, bitch. And they got their pusses out and their fat front puss, the fupa, right? Yeah, fupa. So they got the fupas out and they're mm-hmm. like, that's right, bitch. And then I start to look at them and I'm like, yes, bitch. And I start grabbing... Things And I start just putting stuff in the cart and they're putting it. And they're like, are you getting that wine cranberry ticket salad? And I'm like, yeah. And everybody's just fucking just waddling down the rows of Trader Joe's. (laughs) Like just putting fucking French vanilla ice cream in their ass. (laughs) Because Biden won. And everybody's like, you don't tell me what's pretty. So I got a little out of control. And I got a loaf of French bread. Bread and butter is so good. It's one of the things that's really good. You can just eat it. We have Whitney Webb coming up, by the way. It's not all about bread. We do have the great Whitney Webb. She's on the program and Adderall. I'm kidding. But she is very, she's very, you ask her one question, she just goes, you know. Okay. She's just like, well, the interesting thing about the freedom of information <laughs> request that Eric Schmidt, who is the head of Google and the NSA and DARPA and the DEA. And it's like, Whoa. Smoke a joint before you fire that one up. But she's always got great information, you know? Mm -hmm. Terrifying. Interesting. It's going to happen. These things are kind of going to happen probably, you know? I mean, Alex Jones was talking about some of it on Rogan. The future is not going to be human. Whatever. I can't get upset about that. It's interesting, and I'm I'm not thrilled with it, but I can't get too upset about it because I know that I'm not going to see a lot of it probably. You know, this, you know, yes, we're going to merge with AI at some point, but I won't. They're not going to merge me with AI. They're going to be like, you will die on your own. I'm not wasting anything on you. Imagine they merge Ray Comp with AI. It's like, listen. I'm like, what? It's like, they just called me. They're going to make me in with a robot. They're going to make me into a fucking robot. Listen to me. I'm going to be AI. Are you? He was supposed to come out in December. He just got a promotion at his job. So congratulations to Raymond Kump. He is a king. Finally being treated like a king. The creek in the cave in Long Island City closed. It's where I really started my comedy career. It was a Mexican restaurant. Did it serve expired food? Perhaps. Did Did they know how to melt cheese? Not really. You'd think that would be a prerequisite for a Mexican restaurant. Melting cheese. But that's okay. It was about comedy. A lot of great comedians came out of there. Not really. But some. Donald Glover went there once. So they they just (laughs) say Donald Glover. He was like, just stopped in there once. Rebecca Trent, the owner, loved comedy. And we appreciate her. She allowed comedians to go in there and get better at comedy. And then the big brouhaha happened when the Legion of Skanks podcast, my friends, Louis J. Gomez, Dave Smith, Big J. Okerson, booked Milo Yiannopoulos to appear on the program uh, last year, and the comedy community in New York threw a fit. And they threw this woman, Rebecca Trent, under the bus, big time. Now, this woman, and I knew her, she had Thanksgivings every year and Christmases for people that did not have the money to fly home to their families Comics that had moved to New York City or people that just didn't have families to fly home to. She had Christmases for them. She raised money for several comics that had cancer. She allowed certain comics to, like, almost basically live at the creek in the cave that didn't have a place to live. And then everybody decided that all of that didn't really mean that she wasn't a Nazi. They went right at her. They said, well, this woman, yes, she's fed us and let us stay here and given us a place to do comedy, but a podcast at her venue booked uh, a gay conservative troll. So this woman, as you know, she's uh, a part of the German Bund, I guess. I don't know. But it was a split in the comedy community um, between... The comics that were like, hey, respect the right of artists to do whatever they want, and the comics that were like, she's a Nazi, and I don't like Nazis. Nazis are bad. So there was that very reasonable, rational discourse that was had between people that were like, well, we're respecting the right of a podcast to have on a guest that is controversial. And then on the other side, people that were like, are you going to put people in gas chambers, Hitler? You're like, well, no, it was just going to let a guy who lost his entire career appear in the basement of a Mexican restaurant on the Legion of Skanks podcast. Uh, A guy who had lost a book deal when it lost all the spots on Fox News, you would have imagined that this would be the kind of justice you people wanted, right? right? I mean, he's literally sitting there as they fry fucking tortillas and he's got to make a point about globalism okay, well he, he, he has to step on guacamole he's a Nazi and she's a Nazi and you're a Nazi that's going to be the musical about this era, Nazis here Nazis there, Nazis everywhere these people think it's like the sound of music, except in that era, there were actual Nazis everywhere. <laughs> now it's like, everybody's like, so she never fully recovered from that, her image in the community. Not to people like me, we dig her, but the Looney Tunes. Now the problem is when you own a comedy venue, many of the people that, that go there are Looney Tunes. They're maniacal. So when you uh, fall on the wrong side of crazy town, those people are angry at you. And that hurts your business because they say that you are supporting hate speech. And they had Anthony Cumia on and people went nuts about that. And unfortunately, this woman never, and she called me and I spoke to her about it. And I said, listen, Lewis called me. I remember I was outside of my apartment in Queens. Lewis goes, is this guy really that bad? Is Milo that bad? I go, I don't really think it's, it's that big of a deal. But I said, then again, you're asking me, but I, I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Um, that's me, but she called me and she goes, what am I doing? Am I doing the right thing here? I said, I think you are. I don't think it will end with Milo Yiannopoulos. I think if you allow, um, people to shut down a controversial guest on a podcast. This doesn't stop with that guy. It just won't. And, and she, you know, agreed with me. And now her business is closed. And that's sad. But I think it was, a, it's the Corona lockdown. But part of it is that it is a mind virus. It's eating the minds of many people that you knew and that you were friends with. And, Uh, Biden's win will not cure them, by the way. Uh, It will not cure them. And, you know, I feel bad for her because I think that was this weird turning point where the people that she had supported and the people that she had... Also, just learn how to melt cheese. But the people that she had supported and and the people that she had gone to bat for, did not really go to bat for her. I did. I was on social media, you know, bringing it up, saying this woman, all she's done is try to help comedians. But what are you going to do? You know? I'm trying to throw this Friendsgiving. We got to wait till Monday and see if Newsom's going to come out with more regulations. Is Newsom going to shut us down? I got COVID tests for people. We're doing it outside. We got heat lamps. Mm -hmm. I just don't know. I don't know. I'm waiting for the for the other shoe to drop. I'm waiting for Newsom on Monday morning. I could have it in in deference. Well, no, that's not the right word, right? You could have what? I said in deference, that means in support of. Oh, right, 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 right. In spite of that's, Newsom. There you go. I could have it in spite of Newsom mm-hmm. and just say fuck him and I could get arrested at a Friendsgiving. <laughs> I was going to have a wheel of pasta where they make the you know they make the uh, pasta yeah. in the wheel. Mm-hmm. I can't have that now on my own. What if they don't have it and I don't cancel the caterers and then they show up and I'm just sitting there and I go toss it again. I've eaten like 3, they're like this is unhealthy. I'm like toss it again. Please. I don't know. It's going to be like that scene Monty Python at the end where that guy's just eating and eating <laughs> yeah, and blowing yeah. up. But the menu's great. I mean, we got a menu of food here. You don't even. Want, I mean, you go fuck your mother. We got Maniscalco's guy. You know the guy that Sebastian Maniscalco makes eggplant with. I love Sebastian. He's a he's levity in a time where everyone's talking about Corona and the Civil War. And Sebastian's you know, he's like, yeah, you know, sometimes, you know, you gotta have a fucking sauce. You know, are you embarrassed? With the ragu and the prego, you take the you take the fucking onion and a garlic and you put it, you know, and outside just, <laughs> 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 you know, just bombs going on. But you need, you need levity. You need people to focus on tomato sauce and, and garlic and stuff. But <laughs> you do. Not saying anything negative. I believe you do. I believe that you can't have everyone be me. Yeah Somebody's gotta come in there and go You ever had the, the almond cookie You ever had it Who's this guy George Floyd What are people doing Why is everybody screaming What is everybody screaming about Brianna Taylor What's Brianna's You mean Brianna The suits I love those They're suits They fit their custom suits Brianna What are we doing
2: what are we done? What are we done
0: here?
1: You need that. You need somebody to come in and go, let's talk about pine nuts. Let's talk about it's true. Yes, I know. Let's talk about pesto now. Yeah. I can't be yelling all the goddamn time about Nazis and people trying to kill you and transhumanism and and veal. You need somebody to come in. So I'm, I got his guy who's going to be fucking doing real great food, tossing, you know, pasta in a thing. And mm-hmm. I just don't know if we're going to fucking, if Gavin Newsom's going to shut it down because, you know, he's a miserable prick. I'm kidding. I know that there's health concerns, but let it happen. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> what if there was a party called the Let It Happen? Like, the, like a movement called Let It Happen? Yeah, yeah. Let it rip. Mm-hmm. Let Corona rip. Be stronger on the other side. By the way, New York City is just, the kids got to go back from school on Monday. Uh, How great is that? Your disgusting children are back in your house. You got rid of them, and you sent them into the New York City public school system to learn how to fucking do drugs, and then you get them back in the house on Monday. You got to deal with that. How was school? Good, we learned how to put on condoms. Great. Well, (laughs) welcome back. You could go put one on in your room. Try. I mean, I don't know what the plan is here, but I just, you know, at a certain point now, I don't want to... Do the police take me out of my own home as I'm, like, holding a cheese wheel of pasta? Is that what has to happen for freedom? I mean, yes or yes. Do I have to fight a cop in the doorway of my house... With pumpkin ravioli. We're having pumpkin ravioli yeah, with the brown butter sauce and sage. I'll, I mean, do I have to get shot by a cop in the doorway to my house because I just want to have a little dinner party? Everybody's maid has COVID in LA, by the way. It yeah, was yeah, yeah. my maid has COVID. My maid has COVID. So they lock her in a room. They're like our mate, you know, I was in the Hamptons, Andrew Collins brothers. Like, the maid had COVID, so we just made her quarantine. You know, they just locked her in a room. and They're like, We brought her food, it's very nice. Of course, I had no way to authenticate if they really brought her food, right. And what kind of food they brought her, right? You know, they brought her cereal with water. <laughs> you know, they probably googled the, the the least amount of food she could survive on right. and brought it to her. Yeah, the maid has COVID. You know the day she recovered from COVID. They're like, let's go. Mm-hmm. The day she tested negative, she's like, I'm still kind of a little, let's go now. Vacation's over. She's like, in the room, can't breathe. Like, <gasps> <laughs> some cunt in the hand. I was like, hey, 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 okay, listen to me. <laughs> vacation is, Juanita, vacation is over. You've taken some personal time and we appreciate that. Okay, Josefina? But now it is time to come out here and do your work. Do your work. Maybe it all evens out. Maybe when we all die, the women from the Hamptons are on their knees scrubbing. Be great. Wouldn't that be great? Who knows? I don't know if that's the case. I'm unaware of what happens, but I think that There's very little chance that that's going to happen. Very little chance. But it would be nice. What if we did like a, what if we wrote a show about maids just infecting their host families with COVID? You know? Just really trying to infect the host families with COVID. Great. You know? Yeah. What was that show? Wasn't there a show about maids? So sure Desperate Housewives and the Maids were featured prominently? Devious, devious Maids. Yeah, Devious Maids, except they are giving the families COVID. I'm going to give that bitch COVID. I hope she gets COVID. I'm going to lick every single class. And when she has her Pinot Grigio, I hope she gets COVID. I'm just hoping I don't have to have a standoff with the LAPD over this cheese wheel. And I'm anticipating that could happen. I'm standing up for the freedom of you and your family to have a cheese wheel. You want to feed YouTubers out of a cheese wheel? Well, guess what? I'm standing up for your right to do that. Okay? I know no one's... I I guarantee all the people I want to come are not going to come and it's just going to be me, this kid, and... I'm not gonna say who, but there's gonna be people there that, you know, spend a lot of money on catering. It's not exactly gonna be the A-list. Let's just say that. There'll be a lot of people there that the you know best thing that happened to them would be COVID. It's just let's just say that there's gonna be a lot of there's gonna be a lot of problems. I'm hoping not. I'm hoping everything works out and everybody comes, you get some good, interesting people there. When you've had the same car insurance or homeowner's insurance for years, you kind of get trapped into paying your premiums and not thinking about it. It makes it really easy to overpay. Trust me. You don't even realize it. Okay, I've had my car insurance forever, and I don't even think about it. I just pay it, and then I go, this is too much money. Hello? I say that sometimes.
2: Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands.
1: I've really never thrown a party. It's like the first thing I'm trying to do. So I thought it'd be fun to do. I'm moving into a new thing. I thought it'd be cool. You know, I but I've never really, I would go and attend parties, but I never really threw a actual party with like food and shit like that. I've never done that. Mm-hmm. Have you ever done that? No, never. Yeah, well, of course not. But <laughs> your wedding was going to be the first party you threw. Pretty much, And yeah. weren't you just going to get like, a t- like troughs of food and a few people like pigs and stuff? <laughs> no. That's what you were going to
2: do. What were you going to do? Like barbecue in Texas it's going to be fun outside Austin. Do like line dancing and stuff? Yeah, square dancing. Square dancing and
1: line dancing. Yeah. That's fun, huh? But weren't you going to have a taco truck?
2: No, 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 no. Then you no. would do a taco truck. <laughs> no, I wasn't going to do a taco truck. Are you going to still have a wedding? Yeah, more like a celebration in April. If things are still not closed. You know, right, so you April. could do a celebration in April. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Down yeah. in Austin. I'm booked, unfortunately. Sad. I'll let you know the dates so you can...
1: <clears throat> I didn't want to go. Listen, Ben's wife hates me, so I didn't want to go. <laughs> no, she does. I didn't want to go and disturb your wedding by being there. You know what I mean? So that's why I didn't want to go. I told you I was booked, but I wasn't really booked. <laughs> did you know when I told you that I was booked, I wasn't really booked?
2: No, you did have a date unless you made a fake date on your I, I made a fake
1: date. <laughs> did you really? I did make a fake date. I had, so- I had Steinberg do it.
2: With, like, a fake link and everything?
1: I don't know how in-depth he got. He's a demon. He's a demon from hell. He's now. a demon. But, no, I I didn't want to go and ruin your wedding.
2: Well, you're invited to the celebration. Well, I don't believe that, <laughs> but
1: that's very sweet of you. Ben, like, I don't know. Your, your family's super
2: Christian. I didn't want to. My mom watches the show now. Oh, she watched all your Rogan appearances too. Well, good. And she's buying a sauna this week because she's been watching so much Rogan. Also, okay. Well, that may not be the best. I don't know. That's phenomenal. But I, I will be there this
1: time. I will be okay, there. I will good. be there this time. I'll be there this time. I'm very, I'm very excited about it. Get a nice bathtub of pulled pork. But <laughs> my event, which will be a little bit more, uh, you know, I will probably be a disaster. I've invited some fatties and what I'm concerned with is fat people can get violent truly. Yeah. They can get truly violent Yes, and I've invited some real houses to the party. I mean some big thick and, and I'm just hoping that the spacing is, is good cause that it's not that big. What are you laughing about?
2: There are some, yeah, there's some big people coming.
1: There's some, there's some people that are large and in charge. Yeah. <laughs> if they come. Yes. <clears throat> some of them may not, you know, they might do what I did with Ben's wedding where you go well, now and then you send a gift and I sent a beautiful gift. Yes, you did. I, this is our joke. I didn't send a gift because I believe if I don't go, I don't give you a gift. Mm-hmm. I don't give you a gift if I'm not there. I mean, that's just the reality. You know what I mean? You know? I'm not going to go to Dan's wedding. He's got a few more days left. A few more days left of this before he's out of here. We block him. You know? It's just what happens. Ben's the only one that's going to stick around because Ben understands that uh, without him, I would just be committing acts of domestic terrorism. I said that to the girl at Whitney's. The girl from Cheer, you know, this 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 white trash rat that Whitney had in her house. What do, you, what do you think I care? You know, this tattooed animal. Whitney thinks cheer. Whitney comics thinks tears like a big can you shut the stop it? Mm-hmm. Whitney just likes poor people and she likes to play with them like Play-Doh. So she likes to. <laughs> she likes to bring them in her hot tub and she's like, wouldn't it be fun if one day you weren't desperate? Maybe that would be fun, huh? Do you think that would be fun? I don't worry about anything ever, but I bet you do, and I bet the nights are cold. Are they cold? Are they cold? We'll get in the hot tub. And so she has this meth head in her hot tub who's a cheerleader. Which, come on, like competitive cheerleading in Texas, like I give a shit. So I walk. Supposedly it's the most watched show on Netflix. I don't give a fuck. Everything on Netflix sucks. The Queen's Gambit sucks. It sucks. It's bad everything's bad now. It's not good. The chess thing they should make is when Bobby Fischer went nuts and went into Jews. We have a fun chess story. The day of 9-11, Bobby Fischer called a radio station and started going over to Jews. Why are we... That's a fun chess story of how he went to there, how he became that. That's a fun chess story. Not fucking, hey... This bitch likes doing taking pills and chess. Who cares? So nothing's good. I don't care if it's the most watched show on Netflix. What's the second most watched? The Ranch with Ashton Kutcher and that I other guy?
2: So.
1: Yeah, yeah. The most watched show on Netflix means shit to me. I don't care what people do. Some idiot who's got, got swimming around in a bathtub of sweet tea? And fucking, is, it just longs for a time that she could see her own foot? Is watching people do tumba salts and is impressed? So I care? I think not. I think not. Oh, they have a lot of followers on Instagram. I want less followers. I want less followers because I don't want to feel guilty because the end of this is a Heaven's Gate cult. We go to the hell Bob Comet and drink poison. I will get all of you to drink poison. My point is this. I go over to the house, and this, this girl, who's this, I'm sure is sweet. She's with some other kid. They're all tattooed. They're mm. in decent shape. I'm unimpressed. I'm there because I want food that Whitney will purchase, which I, do, I always offer to buy, but she buys, and I think that's a better system. So they're in the hot tub, and I go, and, and, and uh, one girl says to me, she goes, I really lucked out with my manager because I lucked out with my manager because she's like, I want to build businesses around my passions and not just do random brand deals. She goes, I also really am looking for guidance. I want people to guide me and steer me in a direction, but I don't want to be controlled. I just want guidance. And she goes, what would you like to do? And, I looked at her and she was in the hot tub. I looked at her. And I said, I want to commit an act of domestic terrorism. <laughs> do you understand? So I'm looking for someone to help build a terrorist network around my passions. Do you understand? And not just random brand deals. I want guidance. Imagine somebody in Al Qaeda being like, what I like about this organization is that I don't feel controlled, but I'm given guidance. Given guidance by the Saudis, the CIA, Bin Laden. The girl kind of laughed. She's like, <laughs> Cheer. No one cares. No one gives a shit about your shitty lives. I don't care that they put them on Netflix. I don't care that, uh, uh, you know, it's a big deal on Netflix because uh, there's so much heart. These kids have so much heart. Yeah, they're on meth. One of them went away for CP. Yeah. Child porn. Yeah, yeah he's got a lot of heart. He's got too much heart. He's good on, with CP. Stop glorifying these shitty things that no one cares about. I'm a competitive cheerleader. Stop. Get Grow up and graduate school. Yeah. And go work at the Dairy Queen. And make the blizzard good. Let's not call it cheer. Let's call it people that will make blizzards in five <laughs> years. On Netflix. Future blizzard makers of America. On Netflix. And there's nothing wrong with that. I respect the blizzard. We might get one later. But well, Whitney's got them over, you know, and Whitney's like, "Show me your scars, show me the scars of your of your poverty." Whitney's pretending. Whitney's got like nail people coming in. Whitney's like, Whitney's like, these these are the people that do the nails for uh. It was
2: Cardi B, right?
1: Yeah, Cardi B. These are the people that do the yeah. nails for Cardi B. And literally, as she said that. I'm at her table, and I, and my, and I go like this. I go, "Is is there?" Two marinara sauces or one. I wanted two. And these kids are like, what? I just want to build businesses around my passions. Like what? Meth? Pull her up. Get the girl up that okay. was on there. She did drugs. That's all right. She's a good person. We respect her. Yes. What did she do? She did some crank. Go to the mugshot. What did she oh, do? Yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. What would she do? <laughs> She's a little crank. There's nothing wrong with that. I respect that.
2: Oh, possession of marijuana, I think. Oh, marijuana. All right.
1: Well, I feel bad now. Stupid. What else? I thought it was something good. I thought it was something good. Well, there's a CP guy as well. Well, he got a CP. Who cares? Let her smoke. He was over, too. He's he's like a weird vegan, and the other guy was a pescatarian. And the other guy goes like this. The other guy goes, yeah, I'm a pescatarian. What kind of weirdo only eats fish? I'm like, I love fish, but if you're going to take a moral stand, it's ridiculous.
2: Mm. Um, that is a lot of weed. What'd she have? Uh, a usable quantity in the amount of two ounces or less. Yeah, that's not a lot. Not for these people.
1: They just smoke weed and go to Whataburger. And we got to watch it. Like, it's fascinating. Because they can do a somersault. These kids have so much heart. You get this out of here. That's CP on the bottom. There he
2: is. This guy, yeah.
1: He's CP. He was the fun one. He was the fun one. Yeah. He was the star of the show. Cheer. Give me a C. Give me a P. Give me a C. Give me a P. CP. <laughs> I got I to gotta sit there and Whitney's like, you should do a uh, dance with them. It'll be the most shared video on your Instagram. Oh, I'm yeah. like, I don't want to show them up because number one, I'm a better dancer than they are. Here's the reality. I'm a professional dancer. I've been schooled in tap, dance, ballet, Hip hop, hip hop, mm-hmm. jazz, jazz is like you know jazz, but hip hop is is where a bunch of white kids in the suburbs have like inflatable boomboxes and they're like, yo, 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 and they do hip hop, hip hop, like this. Mm-hmm. Your fat white women being like, yeah, and like put on like Run DMC, and they do hip hop. I've schooled in all of these dances. I don't do as much gymnastics as say do, but I'm a better dancer, modern dance, uh, Irish step dance. I'm a better dancer, so I didn't want to I don't want to embarrass them with my ability to dance. There was a dance teacher. I went to the school called Legs in Rockville center. i, I like to say that uh, because I want people's real lives to be hurt, and I'm kidding, but it was it was, it, it was <laughs> they were good people. The woman who I'm talking about is clearly dead. I'm not going to say her name. Okay. Her name was Cece. And she was a dance teacher who always showed up drunk. And she was a bomb-ass dancer, though. And I was like, you know, I was like like nine and like like just trying to get fat. And then me and this other kid used to compete, this kid George. And my dad, my dad, of course, when you want a son, you want like he a heterosexual son that you can like, he's like on the baseball field like killing it. My dad was a great baseball player as a little kid. But instead he got this like me with like a boom box and like, you know, like... Hey, Mr. DJ. And the only kid that I, the only co- competition that my father could get involved with is that we both hated this fat kid, George, who was also another dancer. And my dad was like, George looks like an Italian baker. I was like, yeah, fuck George. You know, we all hated George. Um, and then Cece was this, our hip hop teacher, and she used to come in drunk all the time, just fucking drunk. Right. Like she'd booze it up on the train from the city, and then she would just be like, bah! She used to say BAP all the time. She'd go, bah! 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 like she just walk up in your face and be like yeah bat 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 I don't know if, she was doing, if it was gunshots she was drunk and like she'd put like the music on like we can't play any damn music right but it'd be funny she'd be like she'd like stop she'd keep turn the stereo off and she'd be like bat 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 which meant you're not doing good which is the thing Whitney does in her dumb show she goes bat 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 and it's not a dumb show it's a great show it's the greatest podcast has ever been but the point <laughs> is this I love her the point is this. I call every. I call everything dumb. Cheers, great. Everything's great, and uh, so this CC, who was drunk all the time, used to always be like, when somebody would fuck up the steps, she'd be like, bah, 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 and and people would be like, and she sometimes she'd stand in your face and go, and the, the parents it was like a well-to-do area. The parents were like weirded out by this. They'd be like, why is she doing this? And she just she'd be like, ah ha. Yeah, and then she would just start like but she was a fucking good dancer. Mm-hmm. Like you would imagine, like she grew up in probably some not good situation where she would just fucking start busting a move. Yeah. You know? But uh, she ha- she was go to go to legs, see if she's still working. She's not. We had a lot
2: of fun teachers there. What would I type in legs like dance? Yeah,
1: legs dance. Rockful center. Who's still over there? Yeah, go to that. Go to that. Go to staff. Go to staff. Faculties will do it. Wow. So Diana still works there. Wow. She's got to be old as fuck, but no CeCe. Yeah, CeCe was a fucking gangster. Bah, bah, bah. You wouldn't even know what you did wrong. She would just stop the music, you go bah. <laughs> you go, what? And then she would do it the right way, and you'd be like, fuck, that's the way to do it. Okay. She'd be like, bat. Like, she didn't have the power of language. Right. You know? And then the people would be like, this is very strange. And then you would, could you just spit booze? You'd get in your face, spit booze, and mm-hmm. stuff. But she was a dancer, she was a real dancer. Hip hop dancer. They probably hired her. She they found her at like some bodega, just like dancing outside. Yeah. And the lady who owned the place was like, why don't you come? We have a lovely dance school in Long Island. And all of our kids love hip hop. Yo, Daddy G. So why don't you come here and tell everyone how to be an OG gangster like yourself? Teach everybody how to be a gangster like yourself. And she's like, bah bah. And she would just up so shit faced. But she was a fucking gangster. I wonder if we could find her. We're never gonna be able to find her. Can't find her.
2: We can try. Try CC dance. And then legs. Yeah. Like that. I
1: don't know how to spell CC. Oh wait, hold on. I feel like that's her. Uh, I don't know if that's her street name. No, it's not CC Peniston. <laughs> it might be her street name. Yeah, maybe. I don't want to call out her for her whole government. Bat. We should call. Can we call legs? Are they open right now? Let's see. Let's let's call legs right now, please, and find out what happened to CeCe. I'm very I'm very concerned. Call them right now. Call them right now. Can see phone? Please, thank you. Call them right now. Where is Cece? What is she doing? hi, I'm the only famous person that's ever went to your school. I'm kidding. I'm not famous, but I'm doing better than these other fucking. I'm doing better than Fat George. My dad was like, he looks like a baker. I'm like, we're all faggots, just so you know. I know you're having fun being competitive, but we're all faggots here. Sorry. That's the name of my new show coming out on CBS. We're all faggots here. (laughs) It's a bagel shop where just a bunch of guys hang out. Can you get me on the phone with these people, please? Bap. She used to go like this too. She go nah, nah. She say that. I'm like, I tried to do it the way you wanted. She do it. Nah,
2: nah. Call's not going through right now. Why isn't it going through? I hear it. No, I went to. Oh, okay. Well, That's fucked up. Right to voicemail.
1: Whitney Webb is coming up. Whitney Webb is a journalist, writer, interesting woman. We love having her on. We just had to have a little fun first, as we always do. We got to have a little fun here first,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then uh, thanks everybody who signed up for the Patreon. We really appreciate that. Very most people don't know about my career as a dancer. No, and it's it was a great career. Why do you why do you not why do you not understand that?
2: I was remembering all the things you've been, a swimmer, a dancer, an actor. Correct. Yeah.
1: Did you not want me going to your wedding because you thought I would da- I would be a better dancer than everyone? <laughs> Is that why you didn't want me go to the wedding? It hurt me greatly. <laughs> ben did not want me to his wedding. But that's okay. Ben was going to have one of the door guys at the comedy store say the vows. <laughs>
2: It's a joke. Whatever happened to the tour guys at Comedy Store? Are they all dead? They got furloughed, so they're just all unemployed now. Um, a lot of them moved home. You know, maybe they should go teach hip hop dance on Long
1: Island. One of Madonna's backup dancers was it Legs. Uh, he taught a class there. Oh wow! Yeah, Slam.
2: He his, his name was Slam. Yeah,
1: he's in her documentary, Truth or Dare. Whitney Webb is coming up. And we did, what, about an hour with her? About an hour. Do an hour with Whitney, and it's good. She's got some good stuff. You know, what's coming up, man? She goes a lot into the COVID vaccine. She talks a little bit about the election, what's going on. You know, there's just a lot going on here, kids. And you better get ready for it. You better get ready. My dad calls me and goes, it's just gonna be me and my wife and her daughter for Thanksgiving this so, year. No like, are you coming or are you what are you doing for Thanksgiving? Right. You know? He's like, it's just gonna be us three, and you know. We'll just we we'll see what happens. Every time you turn around. Every time you turn around, you just it's something else. This is other one. This is other big one. It's something else. Every time you turn around, it's something else. She's getting her head, and just two guys like bashing her head into the uh, into the, the counter of the dining room. Yeah. My father just looks, his blood splattered on his face. He goes, "Every time you turn around, it's something else." Yeah. Whitney Webb, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Tim Dillon Show. We have returning favorite, fan favorite, one of my favorites, Whitney Webb, independent journalist. Go and support her right now at Patreon, Whitney Webb. MPN, uh, which stands for Mint Press News, which she quit, but that's still her name on Patreon. She also has a, a channel on Rockfin, which is a YouTube alternative that monetizes. She can make a little bit of money there. Uh, she's also got a book coming out about Jeffrey Epstein and this sordid affair. Um, and we, we have her on today because so much is going on. And uh, we just had a presidential election, we think. And we wanted to know what what is your take on these voting irregularities? Is there anything there?
0: Well, I think the election is a is a total um, mess, and I think you know in terms of um, what is is going on right now in the U.S. in terms of, of the election, I think basically there's a situation that's being engineered where we're having where they want one side to accuse the other side of orchestrating a coup, and have the other side accuse. Uh, Uh, their opponents, I guess, of of doing the same thing. So basically, Republicans accusing Democrats of a coup and Democrats accusing Republicans of a coup, leading towards this sort of what I would argue were sort of the foundations of what uh, could become a sort of an engineered civil war type scenario. So I do think there are some sort of um, issues with the election system. But oddly enough, a lot of people um, in the Trump circuit aren't really focusing on what I think a lot of the issues um, are. You know, there's a lot of emphasis on voter fraud as opposed to election fraud. And I think a lot of the causes for concern have to do with um, the increasing control of Silicon Valley in the election system and also uh, the fusion, really, of Silicon Valley with the federal government. And uh, Silicon Valley, of course, most of those billionaires were backing Biden. By a significant degree. But they also, you know, donate to Republicans, but they donate significantly more uh, to Democrats. And actually, uh, the DNC, a lot of their top tech officials, like their chief technology officer, their chief security officer, come from places like Facebook or Twitter. And uh, Facebook and Twitter and Google also were part of the operations uh, center for the election run by DHS. Um, Where they, I don't think they honestly should have been there because uh, they're they're very politicized entities, right? But in terms of like what was going on in specific claims, I mean, there's a lot of accusations being you know thrown around. So I'm just trying to speak in general terms, right? Because there's a lot of different things that different people have been pointing to. Um, but I, I definitely think there's just a lot of um, a lot of efforts to get people really divided. Um, Right now, uh, as we go into the so-called dark winter that we've been hearing a lot about and trying to keep, uh, you know, people mad at their neighbors for having the lawn sign of the other uh, opponent or or another political candidate instead of being, you know, paying attention to a lot of these billionaire groups like, you know, the World Economic Forum some of these Silicon Valley billionaires and whatever that definitely have agendas that no one supports or most right. Americans. Now support, what about right? the machines,
1: the, 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 voting machines there, uh, there's a company and I forget the name of the company, but you're going to know. And they are, <laughs> they have a lot of, uh, a lot of the voting machines are, are this company. And supposedly Trump is now tweeting about them saying that they're an issue because they switched, uh, half a million votes in Michigan uh, from Biden to Trump, but they caught that glitch. But he's wondering about what glitches maybe weren't caught. Do you know the name of these machines? My producer's looking it up, or the name of the company? Uh, uh,
0: yeah. yeah, it should be Dominion. Dominion Correct. Is, is the main one, but they're also, they also run software tied to another company called Smartmatic, which is also another big uh, voting uh, electronic uh, voting machine company. But it's worth pointing out, in pretty much every election since these machines have been introduced, there's been security concerns with them that really neither party has wanted to address. And I would definitely argue that, you know, elections in the U.S. have been manipulated by both parties uh, over the past 20 years on on several occasions. Sometimes, um, you know, different parties have different preferred tactics of how they either want to suppress the vote or manipulate the vote. But, you know, uh, I don't think either party or either, you know, re- Republicans or Democrats, their establishment wings, anyway, have really any interest in addressing a lot of these core issues. And honestly, what I'm more concerned about um, is this push that we're seeing to implement a new software created by Microsoft and the and a military contractor called Election Guard that they're saying is now going to be the the software on. Most voting machines by the next presidential election. So, you know, no one's talking about those sort of issues, right? Um, now, what is that about? What is you
1: know? that software going to be?
0: Well, it's already out. It's called Election Guard and it was developed by, co developed by Microsoft and a company called Galois, whose only investor is the Pentagon. They do uh, work for DARPA. Um, and, Lovely. Like, you know, uh, Lovely. Yes. Yes. So they want to protect our elections and, the, you know, the more they, uh, promote this. these concerns about foreign interference um, and, and fraud and things like that, the more Microsoft is able to pitch and say, this is the solution. And the guy that's in charge of cybersecurity for the elections and all critical infrastructure, Chris Krebs of DHS's CISA, is the former uh, VP for Microsoft, who's been lobbying election guard this whole time. And he's been in charge of uh, protecting elections, uh, this cycle. And he, you know, uh, I would argue that's sort of a conflict of interest. He's been lobbying for election guard this whole time.
1: So what you were really, what you were doing is such a great job of kind of just really charting, uh, you know, the course here of, of, of the beginning of the technocracy. Like this is the beginning of how Silicon Valley comes to own all aspects of American life. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That seems to be what this is. From, uh, from automobiles to homes to shopping to what you search for on the internet to your emails to your cell phone to the car the, the services you use to get around, uh, your credit score, uh, any interactions you have with the police, whether you're protesting or not, anything you think or feel, any business, uh, any anything, Silicon Valley is now going to control every aspect of American Mm -hmm. life, and we're seeing that, and they're kind of inflating, whether it's coronavirus or this election, they're just saying, listen, these problems are much worse than you think, and the only way we can solve them is by instituting these new regulations, and with software that we provide, and we're going to have to put it everywhere, and you're going to have to use it or die.
0: Yeah, no, I would definitely agree with that. And something that really needs to be focused on, I think, by by people more that hasn't been getting enough attention is that we have gotten to a point where we cannot separate Silicon Valley from the state anymore. They've essentially fused, and this is hugely dangerous uh, to the future of the country. Uh, you could argue that the line between Silicon Valley and the state was always blurry because a lot of these big Silicon Valley companies like Google, for example, um, originally received funding from groups like the CIA's NQTEL, for example, which obviously comes with some sort of strings attached down the line, right? Right. But what we're seeing today is that, you know, Microsoft, for example, which produces Election Guard, you know, they're a major US government contractor. So is Google, so is Palantir. Um, a lot of these companies contract and have conflicts of interest with the state. Uh, and then, you know, you look, like I mentioned earlier, with the Democratic Party specifically, you have a lot of people in prominent positions at the DNC being former chief executives for a lot of these uh, Silicon Valley companies. Um, And then you have people like Eric Schmidt, the former CEO of Google, basically uh, running the whole modernization effort at the Pentagon right now and for the national security state more broadly, including the intelligence community. Um, You know, he's wielding way too much power. He's also uh, potentially in a Biden administration been fielded to head a new industry task force. Uh, which is very alarming because of what he envisions for the future of the United States being a largely, um, you know, automated economy where very few people have jobs uh, and most work is done by artificial intelligence or robots. And what's really concerning is that a lot of people in the U.S. government are now on board with that because there's this whole, again, it doesn't get a lot of attention, but there's this sort of AI arms race, I guess you could say, uh, between the U.S. and China and people like Eric Schmidt in Silicon Valley and people in the military say that it's essential for the U.S. if the U.S. is to remain number one uh, in terms of military hegemony and economic hegemony, that we have to have better AI than China. And the only way to do that is to extract more data uh, per citizen than China does, because China has an advantage of a larger population, uh, more developed smart city, megacity functionality, Uh, More people have smartphones so they can get, you know, a lot of more data than people are getting than than the U.S. government right now or these Silicon Valley companies can extract per person in the U.S. So the idea is to get a lot of these uh, smart cities uh, going, which have, you know, uh, basically smart cities are just full of all these sensors that constantly pull in more and more data and um, to basically advance what's often referred to as the fourth industrial revolution in the United States to an extent far beyond uh what probably most americans want and a lot of this is being done under the guise of combating uh, coronavirus uh you know so and basically you a, implementing a right. lot of these humanless technologies saying it's oh it's it's going to keep us safer but really you know a lot of these people wanted to do this uh, well in advance i mean plans for this go back to 2018 at least well,
1: what kind of data are they harvesting in a smart city would you imagine what kind of data are they mining uh, in a, a smart city
0: well, so basically, in smart cities, you have you know sensors basically on everything. It's the Internet of Things. So you know, street lamps have sensors, and and uh, the sewers, and all of this stuff. Every every aspect of infrastructure has some sort of sensor tied to it. Uh, your kitchen appliances, all this stuff, it's all supposed to be connected to the so-called Internet of Things, and that creates an, an a basically a, a constant supply, I guess you could say, of data. Um, and the way to create better AI is to have more data that's being constantly fed into this artificial intelligence uh, algorithm. Basically, how is so, crime
1: how is crime dealt with in a smart city?
0: Well, uh, one of the companies that plans to deal with crime in a smart city is called Carbine Nine One One, which you may have heard of because Jeffrey Epstein invested in it. But it's uh, also invested in by you know, R I P. Jeffrey Epstein, R. R I P. Yeah. <laughs> right. And basically by 911 what it it's basically a 9 to replace the 911 call system in the US. But what they envision is that eventually people won't be calling 911 anymore. The smart city or different objects will call emergency services for you if they determine that there is something uh, wrong in a particular situation or in your home or wherever any of this stuff is. It's basically, you know, a push for the elimination of of privacy. And uh, but even before, you know, Smart cities are, are are you know, fully uh, functional or, or established in the U.S. CARBA 911 has a predictive policing component. Basically, what it does is that when you call um, a 911 call center that uses it with your phone, it pulls all of the data off of your phone, analyzes your past behavior, your present behavior, and then extrapolates that to predict if you will be the future uh, victim or perpetrator of a crime. At some point, or if you'll be located in the vicinity where a future crime is likely to take place, which obviously has super, you know, Orwellian implications.
1: And how are they judging the data on your phone? How is that giving them an idea whether you're going to be a victim, a perpetrator or in the vicinity of a crime? That's such a wild idea. But I mean, it's it's very interesting. Right.
0: Well, you know, it, it's all based on this this artificial intelligence. You know how it's being trained. A lot of these um, algorithms or right. machine learning algorithms aren't really transparent. Um, a lot of them have um, have been shown to have an extreme racial bias. Uh, whether it's you know machine learning facial recognition software, for example, uh, being racially biased, and a lot of predictive policing programs, like the one that Palantir. Uh, tried to do in in New Orleans were also shown to have a, a racial bias. So uh, well, even though a lot yeah. of these people promoting this fourth industrial revolution stuff say it'll be more equitable and it'll help fight racial inequities and all of this stuff, a lot of the technology they're using in practice has not been shown to do that.
1: So the Alexas really are the beginning when you talk about, you know, the Internet of Things and, you know, objects in your house calling 911 if they think something's going wrong. So, you know, we all have these Amazon Alexa's. I don't, but a lot of people do in their home. Do you have one, Ben? My producer. Ben has one. He has an Alexa. And uh well, get rid of that, please. Well, that's all right. My phone my <laughs> phone's tapped already. If my phone's not tapped, they're not someone up there is asleep. Um, but the so the Amazon Alexa is just the beginning that's kind of preparing you for smart products around the house. will you be talking totally. to everything? Are you gonna be talking to your refrigerator? Are you gonna be talking to everything pretty soon?
0: Well, uh, you know, uh, that's sort of the idea. So talking about Amazon's Alexa, right, uh, Amazon just put out a new wearable. I forget what it's called. But basically not only does it um, make a 3D model of your body um, and all of this stuff, but it also gauges your emotion during the day. Oh, you sounded sad today. Oh, you didn't like you know, between 2 and 3 p.m. you sounded depressed, or at this period you sounded happy when this happened and all of this stuff. Uh, I don't really want to be giving, you know, personally, I wouldn't want to be giving Jeff Bezos, uh, the world's richest man, that kind of information about me. And, and, you know, it also has, you're wearing it, so it has a microphone. It records everything you say, everything the people around you are saying. Um, You may think that it's for your convenience. It'll help you get more I don't know. I guess fit, right? And that's what a lot of the, how these wearables are being sold, sort of as fitness devices, but they're also surveillance devices. Is this and the so a end, lot of people- Yeah.
1: Is this the end of humanity? And this is the beginning of us fusing with machines. And is there anything that can be done to stop that from happening? Because that's what I'm hearing when you come on and we have these discussions. It sounds like basically this is the beginning of us merging with AI. To become some type of superhuman.
0: Well, yeah. Uh, so, unfortunately, um, you know, obviously, I'm a big critic of, of of this type of stuff. But if you look at things like the Fourth Industrial Revolution and the World Economic Forum um and all of that stuff essentially what the fourth industrial revolution is is not just an automation of the economy and also introducing ai into the economy it's essentially merging the natural and digital worlds and now uh, we're hearing more and more not just about the internet of things but the so-called internet of bodies that through wearables and other advances in this technology that people will be increasingly connected to this uh, you know extreme connectivity that does sort of merge humans and machines. And it's really no coincidence that a lot of these people identify as transhumanists. Um, that's also true for Silicon Valley, for example, like at Google, they employ futurists like Ray Kurzweil, who's probably one of the best known uh, transhumanist uh, supporters who think that it's the pinnacle of human evolution to merge with machines. Um, the question the, the issue is, is that like I was saying earlier, a lot of these very powerful individuals think it's necessary for the only way for the US to maintain military and economic hegemony is to implement the stuff farther than anyone else has done up to this point. It's the only way to have our AI be number one because that's where they're saying the economy is going and it's the next industrial revolution. So to be the market leader and you know for national security purposes we have to be there first this should really alarm a lot right. of americans because when it comes down to economic hegemony and military hegemony that these people do not care what regular americans have to say about that they're not going to put this to a vote they're not going to ask people's opinion you right. know they they it's market leader at all costs They I mean, we invade other countries yeah. to prop up the petrodollar right. like iraq and stuff like that so they're not going to ask you know regular americans opinion if they want this implemented
1: well here's the other question. What are they going to do with regular Americans? Because regular people that work at Walmart are not going to to, get—they're not going to merge with machines. So what's going to happen to all these people when we have AI doing all of these jobs? What is going to happen to the millions and millions, hundreds of millions of people that are not highly skilled, that do not have the resources, the money, the political clout? What is going to happen to them? I mean, is there, is there any talk about what happens to the poor, the middle class, the, uh, the, the people that are not, you know, considered elite or essential? Like when, 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 when Eric Schmidt or whoever goes, most work in the future is going to be done with AI, what do we do with all the other human beings?
0: Well, uh, basically, you know, there's a lot of talk from these people, the World Economic Forum, which, by the way, is all billionaires, a lot of very predatory billionaires and so-called vulture capitalists, you know, compose the World Economic Forum. Uh, They do not uh, really give a crap about regular people, even though they like to cloak uh, a lot of their initiatives and words like sustainability and equality and all of this stuff. Basically, what they aim to do is create one large underclass, what I would refer to really as neo-feudalism powered by, you know, all of this technology, because really the only way such a few number of people can keep the masses uh, under control is by uh, technological means, basically through the creation of a panopticon. And um, it's really no coincidence, you see companies like Palantir promoting that sort of um, ideology as it was originally developed. Uh, The idea of the panopticon is to have people being constantly surveilled, they don't know if someone's listening into them or not, but their concern or their fear that someone is listening induces in them a subservient, obedient behavior, and they begin to internalize that behavior, and then they just obey authority. I mean, that's basically the the idea behind this, and so that's sort of why they're doing it. And if you think about it, the only way for those people to maintain uh, this extreme inequity that we see in the US now, for example, is for them to implement some sort of system like this. And they know that, especially now, because of what's gone on, especially over the course of this year, those inequities are worse than ever. And at some point, people will rise up and ask for a bigger piece of the pie. So these people are thinking how to prevent that from happening. And a lot of that has to do with the implementation of these Orwellian surveillance technologies, which by the way, Uh, The national security state tried to implement a lot of this after 9-11, but were unsuccessful in doing so. Uh, There was a a program they tried to implement uh, that was being overseen originally by DARPA called Total Information Awareness. And basically, there was pushback from groups like the ACLU and even mainstream media saying that this would erode and eliminate privacy in the United States. And they ended up shutting it down officially, but those programs got divided up and went to different agencies like the NSA and DHS and all of this. And now under the guise of coronavirus, a lot of these um, are coming back. And if you actually go to places like the World Economic Forum's website, they talk about how Uh, In 2030, in the future, there will be no privacy anymore. Well, that's the article. I was just
1: going to ask you about that. So there's an article on the World Economic Forum, which uh, is amazing. And I have it on my Instagram and my producer's bringing it up. It's on my Instagram story uh, where I said we were talking to you and everybody was very excited Uh, There's an article in the World Economic Forum, and this was somebody that writes for the World Economic Forum, and the title of the article was, Welcome to 2030, I Own Nothing, Have No Privacy, and Life Has Never Been Better. And it is somebody detailing what they imagine life is going to be like in 2030, and to get that article up, Ben's going to get that article up, the quotes from the article are are, are pretty astounding. About you know yep. how we we don't you know we, we and it's a lot of what you talked about the last time you were on the show. It's like well we don't have shopping anymore, and uh, you know we don't really we don't nobody works that much. The majority of the work is done by AI, and um, and uh, you know we're happy. We don't own anything, and we have no privacy. It's pretty haunting. Here are some quotes which are 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 pretty haunting. He goes, you know, welcome to my city, or should I say our city. I don't own anything. I don't own a car. I don't own a house. I don't own any appliances or any clothes. It may seem odd to you, but it makes perfect sense for us in the city. Everything you considered a product has now become a service. We have access to transportation, accommodation, food, and all the things we need in our daily lives. One by one, all these things became free. So it ended up not making sense for us to own much. Again, it all seems lovely, But when then you think about, then you are also on the grid, you have no freedom, your life is programmed for you by people, and basically, this person who wrote it at the end, they made a little uh, thing, and they said, well, this is, I'm imagining what the future is for better or for worse, um... They said, first, communication became digitized and free. Then clean energy became free. Things started to move quickly. Transportation dropped dramatically. It made no sense for us to own cars, driverless vehicles. You know, um, environmental problems seem far away. Um, You know, when products are turned into services, nobody has an interest in things with a short lifespan. So everything's designed for durability, repairability, recyclability, The death of shopping, I can't remember what this is. For most of us, it has been turned into choosing things to use. Some of it I find fun. Some of it I just want the algorithm to do for you. Um, And then they went out and said, my biggest concern is for all the people who do not live in our city, those we lost on the way, those who decided that it became too much, all this technology, those who felt obsolete and useless when robots and AR took over big parts of our jobs, those who got upset with the political system and turned against it. They live different kinds of lives outside of the city. So again, this is really everything you're talking about, about these smart cities where everything is provided for you and you have no freedom. Here's one that I love. This is... Terrifying. Quote, once in a while I get annoyed about the fact that I have no real privacy. Nowhere I can go and not be registered. I know that somewhere everything I do, think, and dream is being recorded. I just hope no one will use it against me. Wow. And that's someone imagining the future. And by the way, not the distant future. 2030. 2030. 10 years from now, everything you think, say, uh, will be recorded Hopefully nobody uses it against me and I don't own anything, nothing is mine and I have no privacy. Is this what they want?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, I would definitely argue that that's the case because, you know, um, if you go back and you look at the history of, of the US power establishment, we're broadly speaking, I guess the Western power establishment, there is this view that the masses are dangerous, that they're, they are give in to animalistic desires and things like this. A lot of this you can see... Um, from the father of U.S. propaganda himself, Edward Bernays, who was a nephew—a nephew—I believe he was the nephew anyway—of uh, Sigmund Freud, and basically used Freudian psychology and applied it to the psychology of the masses to manipulate the masses on behalf of both government. Um And also corporations. And now we're at a point essentially, like I was saying earlier, where a lot of these corporations have essentially merged, like Silicon Valley corporations, um, have merged with the state. And, you know, this type of ideology that the the masses give in to their bestial, animal-driven desires, and they have to be controlled by people who are smarter, uh, the elite. I mean, that's basically the basis of this whole technocracy idea, is that there needs to be an elite um, who who are better suited, per their opinion, obviously better suited to drive uh, the direction of society, and that people, uh, the that the masses or whatever, uh, shouldn't really have or eas- should should be guided by them, and shouldn't really be able to make their own decisions about how their lives are lived. And so basically, uh, this is just the logical conclusion of that type of thinking, which has really been pervasive, um, in the U S and UK and in other Western countries and those power is there structures any for a way long time. To,
1: is there any way to stop this in motion? Is there any way to fight back yeah. against it?
0: Yeah. Uh, one deprive these people of your data, uh, start, Yeah, uh, that's hard. If you have an Alexa in your house, uh, don't it. do it. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's some things that you don't really need. Um, You know, I mean, obviously, for some people, they have to have smartphones and stuff. um, But you can always use, like, I don't know, a burner phone when you go out and keep your smartphone at your house. Uh, Deprive them of your location data, at least. But things like Alexa and the wearables and all of that stuff, that is a really slippery slope, uh, in my opinion. But beyond that, I think really the best way to beat this is to not buy into this to what they're trying to do now at this election, where they're trying to have us at each other's throats, and then we're ignoring these people. Uh, when really, people on the right are opposed to this agenda, and people on the left—I mean, these are the the predatory billionaires that progressives are usually railing against. But this is what you know the type of world they want to create. What uh, happened? I really hope what happened
1: can- on the left that the left became fans of the CIA and Silicon Valley? And it it became this rabid identity politics where as long as somebody was the right gender or the right color, that whatever, the message didn't matter, it seems like. As long as it's Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris, as long as it's... uh, What what happened where progressive just meant delivering people... Because progressive now, to me, seems like it's just delivering people to the doorstep of this, this technocracy is what it really feels like. They are the ones railing for speech restrictions. You know, A lot of people on the left are railing for the restrictions of speech online. They want to get people deplatformed. They want people to not earn any money. They want people to be regulated. They want people to be watched. What happened? How did they get the left? Which, when I was growing up during Bush, the left was the one saying, we shouldn't be going to war. We shouldn't be monitored. We shouldn't have an oligarchy. And why now does the left seem to accept all of that?
0: Um, Well, I think a lot of this started to happen during the Obama year specifically, and a lot of hopes for reversal of Bush era policies were placed on Obama. And then obviously he continued a lot of those policies. But then the focus became, by and large, an identity politics. And you were told, in a lot of cases, you couldn't criticize Obama because he was a person of color and things like that, that it was racist to criticize Obama era policies, which is just ludicrous. If you bother to think about it, but I really think most of the damage was done after the 2016 election, particularly under the guise of RussiaGate, where we saw people right. like former C- like CIA directors themselves being added to ca- you know left leaning cable news channels to deliver people on the left the news themselves. So you don't even need things like Operation Mockingbird and things like that, where the right. CIA would compromise or utilize journalists. You have the CIA directors themselves marching out and telling the public what to do. Yeah, it's like, and what it's to like Operation
1: Mockingbird. How qu- it's like now we just have John Brennan <laughs> yeah. on Morning Joe. Just pull up a chair. Here's some coffee and tell us whatever horse shit you want to tell us for an hour.
0: Yeah. Well, like on MSNBC, you have like the the daughter of uh, Brzezinski, who was national security advisor under Jimmy Carter, who was over, oversaw Operation Cyclone, which created Al-Qaeda. Right. right? And right. was involved in a lot of very uh, controversial things. Um, and a lot of these agendas that we're seeing play out now he was involved in setting the foundations for that and now she's you know, uh, a major talking head on, on the left network right but at the same time. Um, you know, there's a lot of censorship in independent media and alternative media done by the Silicon Valley platforms, and they, they definitely censor people on the right but also on the left, and a lot of the ones they censor on the left are actual progressives that have attempted to, right. you know, uh, carry the torch of the ones, you know, in the Bush era. You know, Cindy Sheehan, for example, who was a really famous anti-war protester during the, the Bush administration, um, you know, she's still around and has a podcast and all of this stuff, but you never hear about her anymore, and she's still saying the same stuff and promoting the same policy she was promoting then. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, in, in establishment left media discourse today, I mean, you don't really see uh, voices like hers elevated anymore. Instead, you see, you know, people like Russiagators or people like Rachel Maddow uh, and, and all that stuff. Those are supposed to be the the thought leaders of the left,
1: right? When so. Where is Ghislaine Maxwell and why is she not, what's going on there? Why is she not? Why why is there no trial? Is this because of COVID?
0: Well, they pushed up. Remember, they pushed off the trial until like next July. And who knows what state the U.S. will be in then and if if they'll they'll even be a trial. I think that's really convenient. Um, You know, I I think also just because of everything that's going on, no one's really paying attention to Epstein news anymore. Like Bill Barr just came out and found no wrongdoing. Uh, in the uh, with Alex Acosta and the sweetheart deal, and it's worth pointing out that Bill Barr used to be at the same law firm as Epstein's defense lawyers, and then the whole issue of his dad having hired Epstein at the Dalton School and all of this stuff. Yeah, and you know there were still people in the pro-Trump wing saying that Bill Barr is going to fight the deep state, and here he goes being like nothing was done wrong in the Epstein sweetheart
1: deal. What do you who and, do you think you know. QAnon is? If you had to speculate as to the, who is QAnon or what is QAnon, I mean we know it's some kind of troll operation at this point you know I mean what do you think it is do you think there was any truth to it at any point or was it always kind of trolling I mean it seems to be a bit you know it's, it's clearly over the top and ridiculous they also you know it's kind of like you know they keep stringing these desperate people along that there's going to be some
2: yeah. big
1: event coming and nothing can stop what's happening and everyone's going to jail and just you wait and see and trust the plan and everything like that what do you what do you what do you think this is
0: I think it's a I think it's a U.S.-driven intelligence psyop. Um, And I think basically the target of it is to have, uh, you know, a a demographic that would normally be most vocal against uh, perceived government tyranny. Uh, People on the right, gun owners, things like that, Um, basically to have them completely docile sitting there being like, yeah, we'll just trust the plan, and it'll all work out. And even in some cases, you've had QAnon cheer on regime change in Iran, war with Iran, uh, martial law being declared, um, right. things like that. When these people before would have opposed those things, and it's worth pointing out that really the roadmap for QAnon was uh, was originally developed by a um, an Obama advisor named Cass Sunstein, who now is advising the the World Health Organization about its vaccine global vaccine agenda. Uh, for COVID-19. But Cass Sunstein, uh, during the Obama administration, he wrote about the need to infu- for the government to infiltrate conspiracy movements in order to reverse the uh, general trend of conspiracy movements fostering a distrust in the government and to instead foster a love and trust of government. So then you have QAnon pop up and it's oh, we love Trump, we love the president, we love John Bolton, we love Sessions and all of these people who were obvious establishment swamp monsters to use, you know, Trump vernacular or whatever, um, you know, put all your faith in people like that. When John Bolton is like the most insane, that, you know, like crazy neocon guy, yeah. and you're going to put your trust in him that he's going to end the wars, you know? Yeah, I, I just, mean, that's it's so amazing control.
1: to watch these guys, even after, you know, to this. we have this election and You know, they're still up there going, trust the plan. Don't worry about it. I mean, it seems just like a grift. I mean, it's clearly a grift.
0: Yeah. But so here's the thing with QAnon, too. QAnon was basically designed to be a giant straw man where everything that is uh, bad now, they're saying all these conspiracies that are inconvenient right now are merging with QAnon. And that includes people like Robert F. Kennedy Jr. in Children's Health Defense, which are critics of, of the pharmaceutical industry and the vaccine industry in general. You know, there's the Washington Post coming out saying that they're merging with QAnon with no actual basis. Right. They write a whole article about how uh, people that, um, you know, promote vaccine hesitancy like Robert F. Kennedy Jr. are national security threats. And you had uh, the FBI come out last year saying QAnon is a domestic terror threat and all of this stuff. And know they're trying to link people that are critical of the pharmaceutical industry right. to QAnon. So QAnon's Q- Q- a really great- alarming. They're a, treating enemies of corporations yeah. like enemies of the state.
1: QAnon's a great whipping boy for a lot of people that just want to get inconvenient questions about certain government policies and certain people.
0: Or Epstein.
1: Or Epstein or any of that stuff. Yeah. What do you think uh, is going to happen with the new coronavirus Lockdowns, which are certainly on their way.
0: Um, Yeah, I think it's going to be really not good. Um, You know, all we have to do is just really look at a lot of uh, you know the Biden transition team, I guess you could say, and what what they plan to do with coronavirus, and also the fact that Biden's. Transition team has adopted the, the phrase build back better, which we've also seen used uh, in Canada and the UK and all of these places, which comes straight from the World Economic Forum and this whole push for a fourth industrial revolution. These lockdowns, what they end up doing is forcing the closure of small businesses and medium sized businesses, um, giving the vast majority of what was once their business to giant corporations like Amazon, for example, and in furthering this push of buying everything online. Uh, having shop have, have everything be either mobile app based um, or or internet based, and sort of uh, promoting more of this contactless, humanless, uh, you know, so, uh, tech, technology based society. Um, that's basically what a lot of these lockdowns have ended up uh, engendering, and also creating a very, um, you know, uh, impoverished population. Really exacerbating a lot of economic issues that existed before uh, coronavirus. But I mean, it's just absolutely outrageous that you had supposed coronavirus relief bills passed in the beginning of this year, and they were given to hedge funds like BlackRock to throw that money around and a lot of these loans that were supposed to be for small businesses and it actually go to small businesses. And so, you know, we're at a point where we're going to have millions of Americans be evicted soon if there isn't some sort of relief bill passed and nothing appears to be happening on that front. And that is really, um, really alarming. And the fact that politicians on in neither party are really talking about these issues, um, is, is, is just very disconcerting. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm really honestly worried um, about what's going to go down in the United States in the next few months. What, what um, do you especially think about? Because they've been, oh, yeah. sorry.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I was just going to say about these evictions that are coming uh, and the looming crisis that people have in terms of um, rent. What has there been anything that you've picked up on in terms of like, is there any plan to whether it's a nefarious or not? Is there any plan to deal with that? Because that's a coming catastrophe.
0: Right. Well, uh, what's interesting to me is that some Silicon Valley billionaires have been uh, basically promoting this this plan where they're going to have uh, new homes set up for the homeless, but they're going to be smart homes, right? right? And they're going to and and you have a lot of these same Silicon Valley billionaires, like Jack Dorsey of Twitter, for example. Uh, promoting UBI and things like that. And UBI recently has become, you know, uh, a popular progressive policy, but it was actually originally proposed by the father of neoliberalism, Milton Friedman himself. And it's also promoted by the World Economic Forum as a way to further the automation of society. And basically, you know, UBI, if everything is automated and done by artificial intelligence and you have a UBI, well, you don't really make much more money than the UBI. It's not a universal basic income. It's the universal income period. It's not a basic income. You can't really supplement it with everything, right. with anything. Yeah. What if are you to do? you're going gonna to moonlight
1: as an assistant to a robot. Wage. Yeah. It's a tough thing. You know, I, I'm, 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 I'm not excited about all this. I don't know how much I could do about it, but I, I'm certainly not excited about what is coming. And it sounds like sooner rather than later. Um, what do you think would be the way to handle the coronavirus? Would it be to just kind of basically say, You know, distancing and blah, blah, blah. What, 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 what level of scam are we dealing with here? It is a real virus. People do get sick. Some of them die. But what do we, what do we think? What would we do? What's the way to handle this? Have other countries done it better? What, what's the way to kind of handle this without, you know, getting rid of human beings, getting rid of humanity?
0: Uh well I mean that that's there's a lot of different I I'm, I'm probably not like uh right. you know an epidemiologist or an infectious right. disease expert um or whatever but I mean there's definitely things we've been doing that have not been working and it's right. worth pointing out that now right before you know f- traditional flu season you have the CDC saying quietly saying that they're going to stop collecting you know influenza uh, death data and basically saying that regular flu deaths are going to be lumped in with COVID deaths now um, which obviously is going to over, you know overly inflate things. But beyond that, uh, something that's been really disconcerting in my opinion is this shift away from talking about, deaths and hospitalizations and talking just about cases. And if you look at a lot of this, the, these claims that we're facing a dark winter, and we have to lock down and all of this stuff, it's all just about the number of cases, a lot of which can be as symptomatic. They're not necessarily people with symptoms that have to be hospitalized. And if you look at you know the number of cases compared to hospitalizations and deaths, it really doesn't add up in, in the, you know, I don't really think a second lockdown uh, is really justified, and you also have to take into consideration too that you know a lot of this uh, these desperate circumstances people are being forced into economically have an impact on people's well-being um, and also mental health. I mean, suicides are going way up too because people can't be with their families, they can't socially interact normally, uh, they're losing jobs, a lot of people are drowning in debt and don't have a way out, or they're going to be evicted soon. You know, uh, a lot of these things are not being taken in, in into consideration really at all. And since we have such a very powerful lobby like the World Economic Forum really pushing for a lot of these policies because they want to remake and rebuild the Great Reset, as they call it, you know, uh, they basically need uh, to do a controlled demolition of a lot of different aspects of our society in order to rebuild it. Build back better, they say, in yeah. a way. Um,
1: Final question. And so you you think, the problem is, yeah. oh, you, sorry. You think, <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. We love We love how, how knowledgeable you are. Do you think Biden gets inaugurated? Do you think, uh, or do you think we just are, we're entering some weird period of legal challenges and court problems? And how long does this go on, do you think?
0: Um, I think it's definitely going to go on a while longer. Um, I, I don't really know what's going to happen in January, to be honest. Uh, there's a lot of different things that are that are going on right now. Um, we probably won't have a lot of uh, resolution in terms of the election at least until the electoral college votes in mid-December, but it could be in January when there's that first session of Congress. Um, or even Inauguration Day itself, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's been speculation that there may be no president-elect on Inauguration Day. Uh, some of these groups that were gaming out different scenarios for chaos uh, uh, for the election well before the election took place, uh, like the Transition Integrity Project, uh, had several scenarios that they gamed out. And this this isn't, these aren't just like anybody, right? I mean, these are like uh, very prominent Republicans and very prominent Democrats gaming this stuff out together, um, in, in June of this year, they had several scenarios where there was no president-elect in January, and they hinted about maybe the military will have to step in. Wow, I mean, and who's doing really that? And
1: who's, who's doing that? Who's putting these uh, models together, and who's running these simulations? Uh, well, that was the,
0: the one I'm talking about. There were actually several groups that were doing simulations, um, but the one I just mentioned was the Transition Integrity Project, and in that case, the person that was playing Joe Biden in those scenarios was John Podesta, who is Hillary Clinton's former campaign manager. Uh, But you had really prominent Republicans, uh, former chairs of the uh, Republican National Committee, like Michael Steele. You had former uh, heads of the Department of Defense, former heads of the Department of Homeland Security. Um, The two people that created that, um, one is Rosa Brooks and Nils Gilman. They're both very much tied to a lot of these Silicon Valley billionaires. Rosa Brooks works for the New America Foundation, which is a think tank that's funded by Bill Gates and Eric Schmidt. Uh, Reed Hoffman and Pierre Omidyar, all Silicon Valley billionaires. Nils Gilman is part of the Berggruen Institute, which is trying to build a transnational uh, group of experts and politicians and other figures to sort of usher in this fourth industrial revolution. Are these Eric simulations? Schmitt, Jack, see your right. That, are are the these
1: simulations? Um are they every four years or is this like a new one? The, like, what It if was not- a new
0: thing oh, nice. specific to this election. Nice. Yeah. In, if, in June. What if we place. don't have a president mm-hmm. and
1: they said maybe the military would step in?
0: Yeah. And what's weird is that one of the ladies that founded uh, the lady that fa- co-founded this Rosa Brooks, her research area is the murky line between military and police, uh, in war zones and things like that. And they were basically gaming out scenarios uh, where, you know, the military may have to step in and all of that stuff. And what's very alarming is that, you know, the more chaos that ends up taking place in this post-election period, the more the federal government can swoop in and justify a uh, maximum order, right. As the antidote to maximum chaos. Quick.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it's, um, it's, it's terrifying quick before you go, what is the anthrax story from 2001? Cause I remember that. I remember how absurd it is. And I want you to just go into that just while I have you here. What is the anthrax story? Because I remember how absurd and ridiculous that was. They all pinned it on one guy, and
0: yeah, well, so uh, that's not an easy, that's not a quick uh, thing to answer, um, right. and it's actually really important uh, to go over it. So um, yeah, you have the Give time. me a little bit here because yeah. one of the things we've been hearing a buzzword we've been hearing a lot lately is dark winter. Right. Uh, Right. It's going to be a dark winter, darkest winter and all of that. Well, in June 2001, there was a bioterror simulation by uh, what is now the Johns Hopkins uh, Center for Health Security, which also did event two zero one last year and things like that. And it was called Dark Winter and it, it included former CIA directors, former FBI directors and a lot of other prominent national security officials, um, and predicted a lot of things that would later come to take place just a couple months later during the anthrax attacks, including anthrax being sent uh, through the mail, that anthrax letters would be received by members of the media, um, and also the uh, initial narrative of the bioterror attack itself, which was that Saddam Hussein was working with al-Qaeda to enact bioterror uh, a bioterror attack on the U.S. This was all gamed out in June 2001, and then the anthrax attacks are revealed to the public in October 2001. And that was the initial narrative that it was going to that it was uh, anthrax from Iraq, um, and that Al Qaeda had been involved in in all of this stuff. Uh, of course, it later was revealed that the anthrax used in the attacks was a, a a strain exclusive to the U.S. military and had to have come from either a U.S. military lab or a US military contractor. So the whole narrative that it must have been Iraq and Al Qaeda eventually started to fall apart. But a lot of people that had been involved in Dark Winter uh, tried to run with that narrative for as long as possible. And what's also important is that in the period between September 11th and when the anthrax attacks actually took place, a lot of these people that had been involved in Dark Winter like Jerome Howard, for example, uh, had apparent foreknowledge that anthrax was going to take place. So you have, for example, Jerome Howard on the day of 9-11 telling people that they need to start taking uh, an antibiotic to prevent anthrax infection. This was going on at Dick Cheney's office uh, in in particular. And then just a couple days after 9-11, Dick Cheney was personally briefed by the people that created the Dark Winter exercise about Dark Winter. Um, and all of this stuff. And then you have a bunch of the Project for a New American Century think tank neocons, uh, of which Dick Cheney and Donald Rumsfeld were members going on national media saying anthrax, uh, talking about anthrax uh, constantly. You also had a member of the media that was at Dark Winter, Judith Miller, uh, being involved in writing several articles uh, between September 11th and when the anthrax attacks took place, talking about how Uh, Talking about anthrax and bioterror, al-Qaeda and anthrax and all of this stuff sort of seeding this narrative and those attacks end up uh, taking place. And um, what's really crazy too about anthrax is the FBI investigation itself, which was called Amerithrax. Um, it took them almost a decade to officially close that case. It's been hu- it was hugely criticized not just by people uh, at the National Academy of Sciences, but also by one of the lead investigators of the investigation for the FBI itself. Their lead investigator, Richard Lambert, actually ended up filing a whistleblower lawsuit saying that the FBI's investigation into the anthrax attacks was a giant cover up. And that's from the guy that was investigating it for the FBI itself. Uh, They pinned it on Bruce Ivins before they could take it to trial. Bruce Ivins committed suicide, even though he was under 24-7 FBI surveillance. uh, And so they didn't actually have to prove their case against him in court because he uh, conveniently dies right before they take it to trial. And, uh, you know, really, I would argue the anthrax uh, attacks remain unsolved. But if you actually look into some of the companies Uh, that stood to benefit most from anthrax and what they were doing at the time. It's very revealing about some uh, possible motives. And that is very alarming. And I don't know if you want me to go into this if there's time, but the company that uh, gained the most from the anthrax attacks, uh, which was called BioPort at the time, they're now called Emergent BioSolutions. They're actually manufacturing the COVID-19 vaccine uh, for Operation Warp Speed.
2: Fun!
1: Yeah. So these anthrax attacks could be—they could have been just like a false flag to like, let's get us into Iraq quicker— Let's start yeah. tying well, the, the narrative. mass
0: destruction thing, right? right? So you had the big event of 9/11, but then it was a lot of the anthrax fear yeah. that uh, conditioned people to think, "Oh, the uh, terrorism bio in the US is probably a way of life." Yeah, bioterrorism. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: It wasn't enough 9/11, we needed the bioterrorism angle. I remember Time Magazine, the 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 sarin gas, you know, the the uh, Japan the photos like they were really pushing that narrative hard. And anthrax, right? Was, and a lot yeah. of
0: those very prominent people involved uh, with the cover-up of the anthrax attacks and in, in very uh, shady positions in the lead-up to those attacks are also very involved in COVID nineteen response right now, right? Uh, One of them is the guy that uh, was also very intimately involved in the dark winter exercise. His name is Robert Kadlik. Uh, He's currently the assistant secretary for preparedness and response at HHS and managing COVID-19 response on behalf of HHS. And he's the guy that gave the COVID-19 vaccine a complete uh, liability. Uh, Anyone that administers or manufactures that vaccine can't be liable. And Emergent BioSolutions, the company I mentioned earlier, he used to be a lobbyist for them. Uh, and has been just involved in a lot of really crazy stuff over the the past couple of years. Basically, um, you know, huge conflicts of interest with that particular company, which has very shady ties to the two thousand and one anthrax attacks. How
1: is the country that you're in doing with COVID
0: nineteen? Uh, it's a mess. Well, I mean, Chile is a U.S. client state. So, I mean, it's basically following a similar uh, playbook, but it's a a lot more draconian than even what's going on in the U.S. And that's because after the um, 1973 coup um, backed by the CIA and Henry Kissinger that installed Pinochet, the Pinochet dictatorship in Chile, it's basically been used as a laboratory Uh, by the U.S. power structure for different things, whether it's neoliberalism, for example, was essentially born in Chile, they say, because they used it as a giant laboratory for that. Um, But also, I would argue, some of the more draconian COVID-19 responses uh, that we may see in the next couple of weeks in different states in the U.S., um, you know, had they been piloting some of that out here. So since March, for example, there's been curfews in Chile. Uh, They have a five-phase uh, lockdown system where they constantly move uh, cities back into lockdown uh, based on, you know, faulty data, I would argue, because the, min- the Minister of Health admitted that he was making up numbers uh, not that long ago uh, after he resigned. He was pretty blatant about it because, you know, uh, there's no accountability really in Chile like the U.S., but it, I would argue it's would a you little ever, bit. Would uh, you ever
1: come back to America to get assassinated?
0: <laughs> um, I'd have to think about it. I don't yeah. know. I mean, I have a toddler too, so I mean, just even the idea of getting on a plane with a a little kid and have to make her wear a mask the whole time for an uh, overnight flight, I, I doesn't really
1: it's appeal. A little cool, to but me. you got to go on a book tour. <laughs> if you finish the Epstein book, you got to go on a book tour.
0: Well, if America's still left, I'll think about it.
1: <laughs> well, we'll see. If if America's not left, I don't think Chile will be left either. But who knows? Yeah. Maybe you got maybe you survive. Whitney Webb, thank you so much. You're always great. We always appreciate you coming on. Um, you know, you're, 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 you're really a thought provoking, great writer. Any pieces you're working on now that are coming out, you want to tease anything?
0: Uh, Sure. Yeah, I'm going to have some reports uh, coming out next week about Operation Warp Speed, which is something a lot of people have declined to report on because it's controversial. But it's worth pointing out that this is supposed to be the official COVID-19 vaccination program for the U.S. government. It's being run by the military. Top FDA officials are barred from attending meetings, even sitting in on meetings about it, let alone participating, which is pretty insane. Uh, You also have DHS, the NSA, and the FBI are part of Operation Warp Speed. Google, Oracle, Palantir are part of this thing. Yeah. Uh, it's being led by a, uh, a former vice president for GlaxoSmithKline, whose big obsession is bioelectronic medicine. Uh, there's definitely a lot of red flags about it, but specifically my article um, ne- next week is going to be about Palantir's role in it and how they're planning not to just take the first vaccine that's approved and make that the vaccine for everyone. They're planning to uh, all six of the vaccine candidates they're assuming will be approved and they're going to assign each one to a different critical population, which seems a little weird weird uh, given past uh, vaccination campaigns that the U S government has sponsored. Um, And what's really alarming, as I mentioned earlier, you know, Google's part of Operation Warp Speed, but they also control YouTube. And they put out this policy recently where if you ask questions about Operation Warp Speed or COVID 19 uh, vaccines in general, which by the way, you're all using uh, the ones in Operation Warp Speed anyway, are all using uh, vaccine technology that's never been licensed or taken to market before. So if you have concerns about it being rushed or n- there not being enough safety trials and things like that, Google can uh, deplatform you on YouTube now. I would argue that's a big conflict of interest. So unfortunately, because of that, a lot of people and independent and that media, even because, you know, a lot of their business models might depend on monetization on YouTube and stuff, aren't talking about this thing. But, you know, I mean, it's a big uh, they're planning to inject it into, you know, give it to 300 million Americans by January 2021. So it's definitely something that can have big implications. So um,
1: January 2021, uh, you mean a year from now?
0: No, yeah. no, no. In January, this January,
1: in a couple months. In a couple of <laughs> months, they plan to get 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 everybody vaccinated.
0: Well, most everybody, 300 million. I think the population slightly higher. But yeah, it's definitely concerning, especially considering that we have the Pfizer vaccine. Uh, is supposed to be the first one that's going to be approved. And one of the top people at the FDA, the head for the um, Center for uh, Drug Evaluation and Research, is a former Pfizer vice president for product safety that covered up the ties of a Pfizer product, Zoloft, to birth defects. And Pfizer tried to keep her from uh, testifying under oath about that. And so now she's one of the people that's going to be rubber stamping Pfizer's COVID nineteen vaccine that they've already started producing hundreds and thousands of doses for before it's even approved, and have sold doses uh, to different governments around the world. It's very funny. It's like we can we can all
1: we can all uh, you know the Sackler family is like the approved. There's always an approved. It's like Madoff, you know Madoff. They're like yeah. you could you could say Madoff's a, a scumbag, but don't talk about anyone else. So the Sackler family's like, they're bad. They made OxyCon, But every other pharmaceutical company, it's like, they're great. They're just a benevolent force of good and- they just want to help out, and they want to medicate all I mean, your kids. I mean, and, yeah.
0: Pfizer has paid billions of dollars in fines over the years for like illegal marketing, promoting their products for experimental off-label uses. Uh, they did an illegal drug experimentation trial uh, in Nigeria that killed eleven kids, and then tried to bribe Nigerian officials to cover it up. And all we heard about when they had their uh, their self-reported results saying that it's 90, their vaccine's ninety percent effective. Just pure positive press. I mean, no one's asking questions of these pharmaceutical giants that have been given billions of dollars uh, to develop these vaccines as as they choose with experimental technologies uh, like mRNA and DNA vaccines that have very limited safety profiles in humans. They skipped animal trials for these um And the fact that we can't ask questions about these, um, you know, these companies track records when, you know, pharmaceutical companies have never been held accountable for a lot of their horrible crimes, just like yeah. most other corporations in the U.S. So the fact that we, you know, the answer would be to uh, have more transparency. But the Operation Warp Speed is insanely secretive. They didn't even want to release the contracts with vaccine companies, Um, but they had to get letters from people in Congress and things like that to do so. Um And... You know, uh, they ended up releasing them and they were mostly uh, redacted uh, and we're having, you know, groups like Palantir deciding who gets what vaccine. Uh, Palantir was basically started by the CIA. I mean, that doesn't really uh, make me feel any better. You know what I mean? And so the fact they want to censor people. Uh, For asking questions about it instead of answering those questions in good faith, or maybe not barring top FDA officials from even sitting in in their meetings. Uh, You know, I mean, maybe that would be the answer because this is something that's being made for Americans in peacetime. Why is the military running it? Why isn't the CDC and FDA running it? Uh, it's completely dominated by the military, the leadership of this thing.
1: Yeah, all good questions, all terrifying questions and, and all answers that you, we probably don't even want to know the answers to, but we need to know the answers to them. Whitney Webb, go to her Patreon at M P N, Go to her Rockfin channel, which is a, a YouTube alternative. Also, go find her work on uh, Last American Vagabond.
0: Uh, Yeah, uh, a lot of my Warp Speed reporting uh, has been published there, so you can still find some of my work on there.
1: (laughs) Go find her stuff and then buy her book when it comes out. I don't know when you're planning on putting that out. or. Uh,
0: Next June it comes out.
1: Yeah, well, this is, uh, as always, a lot of fun, a lot of reasons not to sleep. And, uh, (laughs) you know, by 2030, everybody, you won't own anything. You won't have a car. You won't have any freedom you won't have any choice but apparently life will be great according to the world economic forum according to the billionaires of the world economic forum you'll yeah be a, well uh, you won't yeah. own
0: anything but the billionaires will own everything they'll own it all <laughs> and you'll rent it from them yeah. they'll
1: own it all the only thing you'll own is your your little vaccine chip that's the only thing you'll own <sighs> winnie webb thank you for coming on i appreciate it you're the best
0: thanks anytime tim thank you